Good morning, everyone. So great to see all of you. God bless you guys. God bless you. Hallelujah. Um, can you all stand with me uh, wherever you are, if you can? And uh, let me just begin with the word of prayer. Is that okay? Uh, if you can, and if you can't, I understand that's fine as well. But if you can, please join me. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to praise your holy name, Lord. You are the king above all kings. You are the Lord above all lords. Lord, we adore you. We praise you. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. As we delve into your word, Lord, help us to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, that your word would speak to us, Lord, your word that is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And Father God, as your word says, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Help us all to arise as more than conquerors, victorious in Christ through the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. If you're able to stay standing for a moment, the title of today's message is Secret, the Secret Place of the Most High. Secret Place of the Most High. It's Psalm 91. And I'm going to read from New King James Version. If you have it, just follow along with me. If not, you know, I'll read it. So if you could just listen to the word of God, okay? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread Upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. 
With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the glorious word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, um, one of the great privileges of being a father of five children, uh, my wife Esther and I have the privilege of having five, you know, glorious um, gifts of God, right? One of the privileges of being a father of five children is that once in a while, they will invite me to enter into like some kind of like secret hiding place that they've made, you know, and sometimes it could be like anything, you know, like some creative furniture or chairs or whatever. And um, I remember one day my daughter, uh, Audrey, while we were doing some like, re you know, reorganizing a furniture in one of the rooms, like we, we put a mattress against the wall. And so there was this mattress with like a bed sheet fitted bedsheet on it. And my daughter, Audrey, um, I think she was about six or seven years old at the time. And she said, um, Daddy, are you busy? Do you have some time? And, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not busy. Sure, I have time. Uh, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you have in mind? And she's like, Daddy, come, come here. This is so cool, right? So she said, Dad, try, try following me. And then she kind of shimmied her way. I mean, the, the mattress is leaning against the wall, right? But she kind of shimmied herself under the bed sheet, leaning against the mattress. And so I kind of followed her, right? I followed her. And so we're both kind of leaning against the mattress. And you know, the, because the way the light reflected on the bedsheet, it was just this very angelic kind of peaceful place to be in. And, you know, I never even imagined doing something like that. But she's like, isn't this cool, Daddy? Isn't this cool? It's just so, so beautiful in here. And I just felt like, you know, she was opening up like a whole new world to me, right? A, a world through the eyes of my precious daughter, right? And, you know, as a father, if a secret place of my child can be so amazing, so wonderful, so enchanting, right? How much more would the secret place of our heavenly father, how much more would the secret place of the most high God be astonishing, right? Be totally mind-blowing to us. And you know, in today's scripture, Psalm 91, when it begins, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide <clears throat> under the shadow of the Almighty. I just would invite everyone to prayerfully this week 
Just ask God, God, what is the secret place of the Most High? What is your secret place like, Lord? What, what is that? What is that? And I would just invite everyone, you know, we're not going to be able to go through all of Psalm 91 today. You know, we don't have time because it's so rich with just incredible spiritual truths that God reveals to us. But I just invite you to really have that as your prayer throughout the week to ask God, Lord, what is your your secret place? What is the secret place of the Most High? And, <clears throat> and I invite you to read through Psalm 91 again and again and again, and try to memorize as much of it as you can throughout the week, right? And as we look, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, you know, the original... Hebrew word for secret place is a word that um, is sether, sether in Hebrew, right? And it could be translated secret place, but also in other parts of the Bible, it, it has slightly different translations. For example, in Psalm 27, that same word is translated hiding place, right? And same thing with Psalm 32. It also translates that same word as hiding place. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this song and at the risk of possibly offending your ears, you know, let me just try to hum it or sing it a little bit for you, right? You know, there's a beautiful song <clears throat> that, that goes um, something like, you are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Right? So this so, a secret place, this hiding place is a beautiful place where the psalmist in Psalm 32 says, you are my hiding place. You are my secret place so that, that God himself is our secret place, is our hiding place. And it reminds me of what Jesus Christ said, right? When he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you, right? So it's this beautiful thing where Jesus himself says, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? It's an invitation for us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, to dwell in the hiding place, right? Because 
God himself, Christ himself is our hiding place, is our secret place. And so when he says he who dwells in the secret place, so, so not just visits, right? Not just goes to visit, but dwells. And, you know, of course, the Bible talks about dwelling as being to live, to move, to have our being in him, right? To have our being in him, that he would be our all in all. And because um, of who he is, what a privilege that is, right? To be able to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And then the scripture continues in verse two. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Right? And, you know, um, Charles Spurgeon, uh, just a renowned preacher in the past, right? One of the things that he said, and I'm just paraphrasing what he said, he said, one of the greatest wisdoms is to make a general truth a personal truth, right? One of the greatest wisdoms is to make a general truth a personal truth. And here, the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him, I will trust, right? And so this is a, an invitation for us, not just to see God as a mighty fortress, which he is, right? Not just to see him as a, a refuge, right? God is our refuge and, uh, and strength, right? Not just that, but to see him as my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. And remember when Jesus, when he was cru crucified and then when he was resurrected, and remember who, who was it that first saw the, the risen Christ? Who was the first, very first person who saw the risen Christ? It was Mary, right? Mary, and then when she's crying and holding on to him, and he says, don't hold on to me, right? Because I am going, and tell your, go to, go to your, my brothers, right? Go to your brothers and sisters and tell them that I am going to my father and your father, to my God and your God, right? So Christ at that moment emphasized that God is not just a God who is far out there. He's not just a God that is, you know, just, just, you know, who created everything and is distant, you know, and, 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 you know, just, no, he, he emphasized that he is Christ's father, and our father, he's, a, he's my God and your God, my father and your father, right? So, so this personal, intensely personal invitation and relationship that Christ is calling us to, right? right? 
it's an invitation that is there for all of us. And so if, if there's any of you who feel very distant from God, if there's any of you who feels distant from Christ, just invite him, invite him into your hearts. I mean, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am humble and gentle in heart and you shall find rest for your souls, right? So Christ invites all of us to come to him. And so if there's, if you feel any distance from the Lord, right? Invite him. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? He's, he's there wanting to come in, right? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, and that's the, the door to our hearts, right? And he says, I will come into him and sup with him, right? To, to sup with him is like have dinner with you, right? I mean, how, what, an, what an intimate interaction, right? Uh, how, how, how wonderfully, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have, you know, dinner time sitting down with your kids, with your family members, you know, uh, with friends, with, uh, with, with uh, loved ones. And, you know, that's a, that's a special time, right? And so Christ invites us to that kind of personal, personal relationship with him, right? And then in verse three, look at what it says. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, right? And under his wings, you shall take refuge. And when you think about what is the snare of the fowler, right? The snare of the fowler, of course, fowler is like birds, right? Fowl, birds, right? Birds and the snare of the fowler, it was some trap to catch, to catch, right? Some trap to catch birds. And so this image of these defenseless, innocent birds flying around, perhaps going to eat something, some, you know, some lure that's there and trying to eat and then suddenly snap, right? Snapped, right? Caught in the snare of the fowler. And that's the imagery of Satan trying to steal, kill, and destroy you and me. Amen? Amen? Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? We have an enemy. We have an enemy. If you're like thinking, well, why is all this stuff happening against me? You know, why is this happening? Hello, you have an enemy. I have an enemy, right? The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? That's the goal of the enemy. And that's the, that's the reason why he wants to, to destroy our families. You know, if there's, you know, with all this pandemic and sheltering going on, you know, if there's like arguments that break out in the house, in the family, you know, everyone's together, you know, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. 
taking pot shots, right? Ca causing miscommunications, right? Maybe you say things that you, you're not quite intending, but you know, maybe your husband or your wife or your brother or sister or mother or father hears it differently from the way you intended it, right? So all the miscommunications, the misfirings and things like that, and then, oh, they feel hurt and then they kind of shoot back and then there's all of this. Why is that happening? The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And remember that the people that you love, the people around you, they are not your enemy, right? They are not your enemy. The enemy is Satan and he is deceptive. He is, he knows what buttons to push, right? And so if there is discord, havoc, yelling, all that kind of stuff, okay? Realize that there is an enemy behind it. And you know, in the scripture, it says this, right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? So, so you know, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You might think you have something against somebody or whatever. It's not that person. It's the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so he's like somebody hiding in the bushes, you know, like, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard this account that, you know, uh, before the, the Revolutionary War, American Revolutionary War began, you know, there were British soldiers on one side, American uh, soldiers on one side, and they were like, poised, ready to fight, but nobody shot the first bullet yet, right? But I heard that they weren't shooting. And so this arms dealer, somebody who stood to gain from selling military, you know, guns and things like ammunition, stuff like that, hiding behind like a tree or a bush shot the first shot and then they started shooting at each other right and you know and, and i i don't know if that's you know literally true or not but you could imagine if you if you if you interpret that to um our family situations sheltered situations you know that's the kind of way that the enemy tries to take pot shots against us, right? He's just like hiding behind there and just shooting at each other. And then we, 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 think, we think that each other's the enemy and we start fighting with each other, right? So, but look at what the Bible continues, right? It says in verse four, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. So the, it's this, beautiful imagery of, of like a, a bird again. Sorry, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting really excited preaching to you guys. So, um, uh, okay, so, um, so here's the, 
this imagery of he shall cover you with his feathers, right? Under his wings, you shall take refuge. And, you know, I have to tell you, recently, um, our front yard was just, I was just in awe because one day, uh, little Michael and Kathleen, Kathleen's eight years old, Michael's 10 years old, they're like, Daddy, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a mother duck in our front yard. I was like, what? Yeah, there's a nest. And she's sitting on a nest in our front yard. And apparently what happened was they first thought that this duck was dead because it wouldn't move. It would just sit there, right? And they're like, is it alive? Is it dead? And then um, um, my older son, Daniel, who's, who's 15, right? He was watering the lawn because I had asked him to water some of the seeds that, you know, I put some seeds in because, you know, some bare spots of grass here and there in the yard, uh, asking him to water it. And as he was watering it, he watered the area where that duck was. And he thought it was dead, but suddenly this duck started, flew towards his head, right? Flew towards his head, and then he's dodging the duck, right? And so the duck is flying to him. And so this mother duck, right? And we're just fascinated because every day we're looking because it's, she made a nest under this, this, um, this shrub, in our front yard. And so we're looking, we're looking every day, what's going on? And, you know, for hours and hours, she's just on top of this nest, on the eggs. But once in a while, we look and she's gone. We're like, where'd she go? And apparently she went to go eat something, right? Because she has to survive. So she went to eat and we're looking and it looked like there was like six eggs there, right? But the six eggs, we notice that it's surrounded by like really soft, tiny feathers and not the outside feathers, but you know, the down feathers that are under the duck's wings, the really soft ones, you know, the ones that you put in your pillow or you buy a pillow and then they put the down stuff in and it's so soft and so comfortable and yet so warm, you know, they put it in the, the thick winter jackets and stuff like that, right? And these eggs are surrounded with these tiny, soft, down feathers. And what I realized was this mother dog she must have plucked out her own down feathers for the sake of those eggs, for the sake of those eggs, because the nest is lined with these down feathers, right? Literally, can you imagine? Like she, she's plucking out her own feathers, right? She's plucking out her own feathers and you know, it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, when it talks about 
Christ. You know, it's a messianic prophecy of Christ saying that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed, right? So it's like this imagery of Christ being pierced in his side, right? Giving of himself to such, in such a way, you know, as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What is there that he would not have done for you, right? Or for me, that's the kind of love that he shows us. So when we think about the, the covering, he shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings, you shall take refuge. You know, take comfort in the, in the beauty, the, the majesty of the love that he loves you with. You know, the Bible says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have called you by name. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God loves you so much. God loves you so, so much. So, so much. So, so much. It's an unfailing love. It's, it's, a, it's a love that cannot be measured. And so... Please know how much he loves you, that no matter what happens, he's there for you. He will be with you. As Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble. He doesn't say we won't have any troubles in this world, right? We certainly do face all kinds of troubles in this world. He says, in this world, you will face trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world, right? He's not saying that you'll live a life without problems, without difficulties, without tragedies. Okay, that's life, right? That's part of life. But he does promise that he will be with us through those difficulties, through the fire, through the water, right? He will walk with you and um, he will hold you. He will carry you through all of that. Hallelujah. So that in verse 5, it says, so that you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, right? It's, isn't that good news that he will be with us through whatever difficulties we face and he will lift us up. And he says, he says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know, um, many years ago when, when I was um, graduating from college and before I went to law school, 
um, a friend of mine and I, we decided to, to like do a summer road trip together. So uh, I grew up in San Diego, California. So we we're going to drive, we we're going to drive up to um, UC Berkeley, where my sister was, go visit her and then uh, drive cross town into uh, Notre Dame, where he was uh, starting uh, graduate school. So, so we started driving. And as we were going, um, we decided, oh, hey, you know, we're getting hungry. And so we were passing this place called Modesto, California. It's a little town, right? Little town. And as we're passing it, we we're like, oh, you know, let's let's eat. And so we found this like hamburger shake place. I forget, I forget the exact name of it, you know, but you know, like think of in and out or Shake Shack or whatever, you know, something like that, right? So we're there, we're eating, and, and both he and I are big eaters, right? We are big eaters. And so we had like, you know, bacon, double burgers, and then, you know, you know, more, maybe two or three of those, and then shakes and things like that. And so, you know, we're eating, we're eating, and then, oh, great, okay, we're full, okay, let's continue. So we're going, and then I had drove, a little bit before and then so he was driving and then as we're going you know because I ate so much you know I'm starting to get sleepy I don't know if any of you have felt like that but sometimes like you know when you eat too much you get a little bit of food coma you know how it is so I was getting like this food coma and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so sleepy do you mind if I just kind of kick back and take a little nap while you drive? And he's like, oh, it's fine, no problem, right? So I, I, I put my seat back. I'm in the passenger seat, he's driving. And, you know, I'm like, you know, fast asleep, like, you know, just out, out cold. And so I don't know what's going on, but later I hear that, um, that there was a car behind us, not related to us or anything like that, but they, they saw our car and they saw our car as my friend was driving and we were going, you know, pretty high speed at, on the freeway. And then they saw the car jerk, like jerk to one side and then, and then correct itself. So I, I guess my friend was kind of falling asleep at the wheel. And so, so he corrected himself. And then we started going up this like incline area. And so it was an incline area. And then on both sides of the incline, there's, there's like, um, I mean, like, you know, it's an elevated area. And as we're going through that, they said the car jerked again, but this time my friend overcompensated. So he overcompensates the wheel. It breaks through the side of the, uh, the side rail. The car starts rolling down this hill and it's rolling through barbed wire and all kinds of stuff. And 
it crashes upside down. And the car that happened to be behind us happened to be filled with male nurses. And so these guys saw what happened. They came out. They saw what happened. They called the, you know, whatever that, you know, my friend, he was hanging. And we were both upside down, hanging by our seatbelts. And, um, you know, the, the seatbelt actually um, ripped his stomach open, you know, and so he was bleeding profusely. And so this, uh, they had to call in a helicopter to fly him to the hospital. And so as they were flying him, he was telling me, he was losing so much blood. He was like getting so cold, you know, and, you know, when you're high in the air, it gets colder and colder, like in an airplane, right? But it's a helicopter. And so it's more open too. And he's freezing. He's like, I'm freezing. And then so like they would, they would put like inject steroids into him. And when they did, he felt like a warmth coming through. Right. And then, and then he'd be freezing again. And then he would tell them and then they would inject it again. And so, but thankfully he was operated on, he survived, thank God, right? And for me, I wasn't bleeding, but you know, I was hanging upside down on the seatbelt. And so these male nurses, they just so carefully cut the seatbelt. They put me on like, um, one of those stretchers, right? Carefully put me on the stretcher. And then the ambulance came, took me to the hospital. At the hospital, when they did the x-rays and stuff, they found out that my neck was broken, that my neck was fractured. And later the doctor said, wow, wow. If anyone else had just come trying to help you and try to just pull you out to safety, you would have been paralyzed. You would have been paralyzed because these male doctors were so careful in putting you on the stretcher and just so gingerly, carefully doing it. And so, thank God, thank God, right? Thank God. I mean, after all this time of rehabilitation and stuff, I mean, thank God, you know, now my neck. I mean, thank God, you know, there's no, you know, I'm fully recovered. And I don't know if these male nurses, this car full of male nurses, it was just a coincidence. Was it just a coincidence that there just happened to be a car filled with male nurses there? I mean, I never saw them before. I never saw them after, right? But the Bible says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone, right? I am so thankful to God that 
by his mercy, right? God is so amazing. He can do anything, right? He can do anything. And by his mercy, he chose to catch me, right? Catch me. And, you know, it's strange, but that whole car crash thing, you know, my friend said that when we crashed through the rails, he said, I woke up and I was screaming, you know, we were both screaming as we were rolling down. But to this day, I have no memory of the car crash, right? I, I guess my brain just blocked it out for self-preservation or whatever, because it's so traumatic for me or whatever, whatever it was. But, but to this day, I have no memory of what happened. But for the longest time, I kept asking God in prayer, Lord, please show me what happened, right? Because I felt like, like, wow, if I'm going to have like a near-death experience or something like that, right? At least let me know what happened, right? So that I could like share it with others and, you know, give a testimony or something, right? Let me know what happened. Because I, I just, my memory's blanked out. And one day I had this dream. And the dream was that I was going up this mountain, right? Going up this roads these roads and as i'm going up and i was driving this stick shift thing and you know it got it got stuck and then it started going backwards and so i'm like oh no and as i'm backwards i'm trying to you know go down this winding mountainous road backwards trying to stay on course and as i'm doing that it's like my tires derail and i fall off right I'm falling off backwards. And as I'm falling, I feel this, these gentle hands. It feels like a, an enormous down pillow, right? Like catching me, catching me and saving me. And, you know, and You know, ultimately, because we are all sinners, right? Without Christ, we would all face not just death, because we're all going to die someday, right? God loves you so much. God loves all of us so much, right? But since we're all sinners, without Christ, we would all go to hell. Right, Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And it's not just talking about physical death, because we're all going to physically die, but it's talking about spiritual death or eternal damnation. Right, And so even though God loves all of us, we're all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we know that the wages of sin is death. And so... That's why Jesus had to come, right? That's why Jesus had to come to save us, to, to catch us from ourselves, from our own sins, rescue us from what we would face. And so I just want to give everyone an opportunity to really open your heart to 
receiving Christ. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, would not have to worry about death, would not have to worry about hell, right? Would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So this is an opportunity because God loves you so much and we're all sinners and sin leads to death and hell, right? So this is an opportunity for us to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And so if you have not received him as Lord and Savior, please, please repeat after me in prayer, okay? Please, let's all close our eyes and please repeat after me in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. Please cleanse me of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, I repent of all of my sins, all the ways that I hurt you and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Become my Lord, my Savior, my King, my very, very best friend. Help me, walk with me through the troubles of this life. Help me to stay in faith. Help me to stay in your word. Help me to love you. Help me to love your word. And help me to follow you all the days of my life and for all eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, praise God if, if there's anyone who prayed that prayer. You know, the angels are blowing their trumpets in heaven. Because, you know, the Bible says when one sinner repents, there's a celebration going on in heaven. So, let's all stand and continue celebrating through praise and uh, worship uh, with the praise team. So let's all stand and continue to uh, praise uh, together. Hallelujah.